Here at Doxaday Bloom, we are excited about making disciples who impact the city and nations. We hope that you enjoy today's message. There is nothing more frustrating than not having a connection on your smartphone. When you pick up your phone and there's no signal or you check out the network connection and you see that it's connected on the E network. I think that E stands for enemy. <laughs> when you have reached your call limit, when you have run out of airtime, it's the most frustrating thing in one's life when you struggle with connection. And I think sometimes in our prayer lives, that becomes a reality. And in this series where we speak about prayer, we have discovered what it looks like to pray in the old covenant kind of way where the people of God or the people who try to establish connection with God did so from a distance. Everything in the Old Testament is, is trying to establish this relationship or this connection with God. If you see the guys and girls pray in the old covenant thinking, it's effort to try and establish connection with God. And what we have discovered in this series called Disconnected is that in the new covenant, we are constantly in connection with God. We have direct access. We are always welcome. We have been seated with Christ in heavenly places and we have constant connection and conversation with our Father. We don't call him master. We don't call him boss. We call him dad. We have been seated with Christ. We are now there where we can live in the authority of Christ, live in this relationship that Jesus has with his father. We can pray in the name or in the authority and position of Jesus Christ. And our conversation is not professional. Our conversation is personal. And today we're going to look at this topic of what it means to pray without ceasing. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 to 18, Paul writes the following to the church. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So we've covered many things with regards to prayer, but Paul is putting this down for the church. He, he commands them, he encourages them with this thing. Do not stop praying. Pray without ceasing. What does that mean? We'll quickly look at three things that it doesn't mean. And the first thing is this. Paul is not speaking here and saying we have to pray all the time. So that's not what he's saying. He's not saying we have to take up the Bible literally here. He's actually, he's actually explaining a bigger concept when he speaks about the thing of not stopping to pray. The second thing he's not saying is this. He's not saying that everything uh, should be covered in prayer. I think sometimes Christian uses prayer as a, an escape mechanism to actually make a decision. They will say things like, no, we, we will first pray about this. But I mean, it is as, the answer to that issue is as clear as day in the Bible. For instance, baptism. 
You don't have to pray to be baptized. If you put your salvation in Christ, the Bible is clear, you need to be baptized. You don't have to first go and pray about it. There's no, there's no thing of praying before you forgive someone. Uh, Christ has given His forgiveness to us so we can extend it to one another. We don't pray to ask, Lord, do I need to love people? It is as clear as day in the Bible. So Paul is not saying we should pray about everything. And the third thing it really does not mean is this. If you pray enough, God will get irritated with you and answer your prayers. Luckily, that is not what Paul is saying. I want you to quickly turn to Luke chapter 18, where Jesus actually addresses this issue. In verse 1, he says the following, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, grant me justice against my adversity. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. <laughs> now, there are two characters in this story. The one is the widow and the other one is the judge. Let's quickly speak about the widow. In our context, a widow is sometimes portrayed as this rich lady who inherited a lot of money from her late husband and she's ready to start her second life. And you see all of these pictures on Instagram She's 20 again, but actually she's a 50-year-old widow. Now, here's the thing. In the biblical times, widows were actually, they were more like beggars in the community or in, in a city. They were without education, no job, no money, no property, no power, no status. Except if someone in their family took care of them, they were on the same level as a beggar on the street. The second character is the judge. Now, the Bible says he does not have fear for God and he does not love people. Those are the two things that you actually want in a judge. You want a judge who cares what God thinks and who loves and cares for people. But this lady, this widow, was in such a bad place and someone was obviously giving her a hard time. And the only hope in her mind was to take this issue to the unrighteous and the unjust judge. <laughs> so now you see this picture happening before you. This lady keeps coming to the judge and he rejects her, rejects her until this point where he's so frustrated and he's actually afraid that she would come and attack him. So he gives her what she wants. Now, what is the wrong interpretation of this piece of scripture? You see, sometimes we think about the parables in this way. I mean, some of the parables, if you read them, you can identify yourself and you can see God in them and you can make the connection. But in this specific instance, it's not the case. The wrong interpretation of this story would be to say that we are like the widow. We are without hope. We are powerless. We are unable to handle our issues. And God is like this unjust judge. He's really not interested in my situation and in the issues that I face. He's busy running the universe. He's giving work to the angels. He's tuning the harps in heaven. He's really not focused on my issue. 
and where I am. But if you are desperate enough, you can start pestering him with your issue until the point where he will grant you the desires of your heart, where he says, I can't take this no more. Just, you know, do what you want and take, can someone just help this person kind of thing. Here's the incredible thing, friends. This is not the right interpretation of the story. Jesus actually says in verse seven, he helps us to understand what he's trying to say. He says in verse seven, uh, will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the son of man comes, will he find faith on the earth? The beautiful thing about this story, this is not a metaphor. What Jesus is doing here, he's, he's doing a study in opposites. So actually he's saying, we are not like the widow. We have a relationship with the judge. We have a husband, it's Jesus. We have been called into the family of the judge. We don't stand without hope and without a place to go and without someone to care for us. No, we are not like the widow. And the other beautiful truth is that God is not like this judge. He's not unrighteous. He's not unfair. He's not uncaring. In fact, he's tender. He's caring. He's responsive. He's sympathetic about your plight and your specific issue. Friend, you don't have to arm wrestle God. You don't have to manipulate God. You don't have to trick him into answering your prayer. He is a generous God. He's a loving God. He's a caring God. He's an empowering God. And he is your father. I remember in Christmas time, my boys wanted a trampoline for, for Christmas. So I got a special on Black Friday and I bought them a trampoline. Now, can I just say, <laughs> the first time that I saw those two on the trampoline, I enjoyed it much more than they did in that moment. It was so fulfilling for me to see the joy that they experienced that I thought to myself, well, if that, this is the case, I wonder what I'm going to buy them next. And here's the incredible thing. God the Father is a generous, loving, caring, sympathetic Father. You can come to Him anytime. So that is what it does not mean. But what, it, what does it actually mean to pray without ceasing? I think it means three things. The first thing is we need to constantly declare our dependence on God. You see, prayer is a very unnatural activity actually. Sometimes I think Christians make it seem very easy to pray. Let me just tell you, prayer is not easy. It's not a natural activity. Why? Because in our human nature, we want to be self-reliant. We want to be independent. And actually prayer is a declaration of dependence. A specific writer wrote, he said, prayer is an assault on human autonomy a war against independent living. You see, when you pray, you come before God and you say, Lord, I cannot, but you can. Lord, I am not in control, but you are in control. And what Paul is saying here is when we pray, we always come with this posture of heart to say, Lord, I am dependent on you for provision. 
I need you, God. And it doesn't necessarily mean that we always pray every second of every day, but it says that we are constantly in that posture of God, I depend on you alone. The second thing that I think it means is that we need to develop a habit of prayer. You see, the Greek word that, that Paul uses here for never stop praying or pray without ceasing is this thing. It means constantly recurring, not continuously occurring. It means constantly recurring. It's like that, that date that you make in your calendar on Outlook and you can put a repeat on it. Like every week it repeats itself. It's this constant motion of prayer throughout your life. Now, the moment I say we develop a habit of prayer, I know you guys, the people who love the lists and the formulas and the rules, you feel guilty and you say, well, I don't pray. So from tomorrow, I'm going to start praying and I'm going to do it out of duty because it's my Christian duty to pray. Let me put you at ease. It was for freedom that Christ has set us free. We don't have to pray. We get to pray. Imagine I sit with my wife on a date night and she asks me, Liffy, why did you organize a date night for us tonight? And I say, it's my duty as a husband. I feel guilty that I haven't taken you on a date night. I have put it in my calendar and now I will do it. No, that will kill and squeeze the life out of that relationship. We don't do it out of duty. But I also know there are some of you that say, well, I don't really need structure in my spiritual life. I'm more like the go with the spiritual flow kind of person. Let go and let God just handle this. And you're actually missing the fact that the very important stuff in life takes up priority in our lives. That's just a law of nature. If something is really important to you, you give priority to that thing. So if I take my wife on a date night, it's because I desire a healthy marriage. I want to show her my love. I have a deep love for her and I make that a priority, a constant recurrence in my life. And it's the same with prayer. And the last thing I think it means is to not give up on prayer. Don't give up on prayer. In Luke, Luke chapter 18, verse 1, uh, we already read it, but I just want to read that first scripture again. Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Jesus is actually saying here that unanswered prayer is not a reason to stop praying. We all know the pain of our prayers not being answered. We know that struggle with, I'm not hearing God, or he said no to me. And Jesus says, don't give up on prayer. This is a relational thing. I'm not speaking here about when we pray for world hunger to end or um, poverty to be taken out of the earth or what. I'm speaking here about relational prayer. Unanswered relational prayer is not a reason to stop praying. A specific writer wrote the following about answered prayer and it really helped me to just get a grip. And like I said, this is not a formula. This is not a science. It's a relationship. But he gave us this, 
these four markers of what it looks like when God answers prayer and when he doesn't answer prayer. So first thing, if the request is wrong, God says no. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. If you are wrong, God says grow. If the request is right, the timing is right, and you are right, God says go. Let's speak about when God says no. That is really not a nice answer to hear. My eldest son, every morning in the winter, he comes with this request and he says, Dad, can I please take off my jacket in this cold winter's morning? And my answer up until this day and for the rest of his life will be no. Because why? I know better. I know that he needs that jacket. He thinks the best thing for him is to take it out and play. I know it's not going to be beneficial for his health. So I say no, because I know better. I'm his dad. If the timing is wrong, God says slow. My second born comes to me every morning with this request. He asks me, dad, can I please have chocolate? And then it's 5.30 in the morning. I don't have something against chocolate. I believe it's very good for kids to enjoy chocolate, but it's not good for them to enjoy it 5.30 in the morning. <laughs> we can have that conversation again this afternoon after he's eaten all of his veggies and he's tired and he needs a bit of, you know, that last energy before his day ends. Then we can have the conversation. But in the morning, the timing is not right. And for some of the things that we ask God, the timing is not yet right. It just needed to be postponed a bit later. And then if you are wrong, God says grow. So in the mornings in my car on the way to school and work is very interesting. My eldest boy would sometimes hit the middle child with thing. And then I tried to dismiss the fight and sort out what happened. And then I discovered he, he literally just hit his brother for no reason. There's literally no reason. It's just to see what happens when he does punch him in the stomach. But then directly after that, he would ask me, okay, dad, so can I please sit in front now? And I would say, no, definitely not. You still need to grow, boyki. You just messed up. And I think you need to fix that with your brother, learn out of the process, and then we can speak about your privileges. And I think sometimes when it comes to God, we, we still need that bit of growth before he just grants our requests in terms of prayer. But here's the fact, friends. We have a loving Father. And sometimes it's really not just about what we get from God. It's actually about the trust that we put in Him. And we shouldn't be afraid to ask the difficult questions when God does not answer our prayers. We should actually engage with God so that we can grow in the process and get to know His heart and get to trust Him even more because He knows better. He is our Heavenly Father. He's the creator of the universe. He's got wisdom that you cannot even imagine. His ways are higher than your ways. His thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And you can trust Him because He knows best. But what I love about Paul when he says that we should pray without ceasing, just look at the verse again, but with the two concepts 
um, just beside that, that middle concept, pray without ceasing, he starts the verse like this. He says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. What Paul is actually saying here, if you get a no from God, if you get a slow, if you get a grow, if you get a go, it doesn't matter. In all circumstances, in the, he says, always we should rejoice and we should be thankful. Why? Because he knows best. When he says no, we rejoice. We thank him. When he says slow, we rejoice. We thank him. When he says grow, we rejoice. We thank him. When he says go, we rejoice and we thank him for he is a good father. I want to pray for you that you will not stop praying, that you will pray without ceasing. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for this truth in your word that we get to pray. That every time we come in prayer before you, we declare our dependence on you, God. We want to develop a habit of prayer, God, and we don't want to give up on prayer. So I pray for each person listening to this message today, that they will come, myself included, with a posture of humility and dependence, that we will decide in our hearts today to constantly build this life and connection and relationship of prayer, and that we won't stop praying. That's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. Make sure that you get connected to this family on mission by joining us at one of our Sunday services.